0: All right. Thank you, Bodie and Ben. That was awesome. And uh, welcome to our day. I know that uh, when I went to bed last night, I wasn't thinking about snow this morning. How about you? Uh, I don't think we were. Some of us may have been, but uh, it's just a surprise to get to see that. And I'm just really glad that you're here. Usually when I go to bed, I pray that I'll sleep well. And last night, for some reason, God just inspired me to pray that you would sleep well and that you would come and be ready this morning to hear what God has to say to you. And so I'm just eager to uh, what we get to experience today together. So if you would grab your message notes, that'd be awesome. You can take some notes today. Uh, all the Bible verses we'll use will be here. If you want to open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 5, I'm going to get there in just a little while. If you happen to pick up one of the lobby Bibles, uh, you can just open this up to page 860. That's where Romans chapter 5 is. And uh, if you want to pick one of these up when you come in, that's great. Just leave it when you leave in the racks, when you, same place you got it. If you don't have a Bible, though, we want you to take one with you. Just if you don't have a Bible, you don't own one. We, we believe everybody needs a Bible. And so if you don't have one, we'd love you to take one with you uh, as you leave today, and that would be awesome. Now, one of the premises of the Bible and the premises of this series that we're in right now as we're going through together is that there's a difference, and Pastor John did a great job a few weeks ago of setting us up here about this whole idea. There's a difference between a morally restrained heart and a supernaturally transformed heart. There's a difference between the two. There's a difference between you using your willpower to suppress certain feelings and emotions and self centeredness and to try to use your willpower to to suppress the sin in your life and having the Holy Spirit to permanently change your heart and transform it. There's a difference between the two. As we learned, as Pastor John taught us on that day, it's not through willpower, but it's through the power of the Spirit that we're changed. Not through our efforts alone, but it's through the power of the Spirit that we're ultimately changed. And in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at characteristics of someone who's been supernaturally changed and transformed by this Spirit. Nine characteristics, nine things that God says this should be part of your life. So the way that you know, the way that you know that you're becoming the kind of person that God wants you to be is to assess your life through the filter of the nine characteristics that are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Bobby read it to us a moment ago. It starts with love and joy and peace, and then it goes to patience. And those are the characteristics of a supernaturally transformed life. And today we get to talk about joy. I want to begin today by reading, though, uh, an article that was written about this person's experience at church, you know, because sometimes we come to church and maybe this is the place we think there should be joy, but we discover it's not for some reason. Well, this was this woman's experience. She says this, I was you know, looking around and then, saw, and then saw this child, so I was intent on the smile of a small child turning around, and this child was smiling at everybody. You've probably seen that scene where the mom's holding the child and looking around and smiling at everybody around him or her. He wasn't gurgling or spitting, humming, kicking, or carrying hymnals or rummaging through his mother's handbag. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him about in a stage whisper that we heard in a little theater off-Broadway and said, stop that grinning, you're in church. <laughs> and goes, it goes more, it gets worse. With that, she gave him a belt, and the tears rolled down his cheeks as she added, that's better. And this, this person goes on to write this, we sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, while our faces reflect the sadness of one who just buried a rich aunt who left everything to her pregnant hamster. (laughs) She goes on to say, suddenly I was angry. And if it occurred to me that the whole world is in tears, and if you're not, this church says you better get with it. I wanted to grab this child with a tear-stained face close to me and tell him about my God, my happy God, the one who smiles, the God who had to have a sense of humor to have created people like us. I wanted to tell him that he's an understanding God. He understands little children who pick their noses in church because they're (laughs) bored. He even understands my shallow prayers that implore, Lord, if you can't make me thin, then please make my friends look fat. (laughs) (laughs) You see, folks, God wants to infuse our hearts with joy. The question is, why are more of his followers not joyful? Why are more of his churches not full of joy? I'm just thinking about this, and I was thinking about this issue of joy. How many of you would say today that you could use a little more joy? Just raise your hand. That's most of us. I think that many of us in the room would say that. And I'll just say, me too. And my experience with joy is the number one reason that we're in this series right now. I looked through that list of the fruits of the Spirit and said, God, if I could say that there's anything that seems to be missing in my life that I want to grab hold of, that I seem to need in me, it's joy. It's joy. And so we're doing this series just for me, okay? That I can learn how to be a more joyful person. So look at your notes at the top of uh, the verse at the top of your notes, uh, John chapter 15, verse 11. Now Jesus has been talking. He's been John 14 and 15, 16, and 17. He's the final discourse. He's talking with his disciples about the fact that he's soon to be taken from them and crucified and that they would no longer have him around again. And this is what he says at the end of that section. He says this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with, my joy. There's the key filled with my joy. And then what will happen is your joy will overflow as you're full of my joy. He gives us this picture there. So the joy that we're talking about is unique. This is a unique kind of joy. We need to understand that it's unique to those who by faith have said yes to Jesus Christ. This joy that Jesus is talking about is available for everyone who says, said yes by faith to Jesus Christ. It's a joy then that as Jesus comes to live inside of us, he gives us his joy and he wants us to be full and overflowing of his joy. His spirit wants to release his joy through us so that other people experience it in the world. And it's not a half-hearted, halfway kind of joy. It's a joy that is full. It's a joy that is overflowing. So just ask yourself, is that my life? ask yourself, is that my life? Would that be who I would say I would be? Or if I were to do a poll of my friends and my loved ones, would they say that would be who they know me to be? I'll just say it to you just real clearly. I want you to be real clear about this. You don't have to try to get more joy today. Even though I called the talk increasing joy, you don't have to try to get more because you've got all God has inside of you. If you've said yes to Jesus, he has given you his joy. Now, when I was a kid, we grew up singing a song, and some of you may have sung the song as well. It goes like this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to say, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Did you guys grow up singing that? Yeah, did you grow up that? Well, I want to know why you didn't join me, okay? I'm up here on a mic sounding so terrible, you know? It's like, you just sat there and let me suffer. <laughs> yeah, I rock. Thank you. <laughs> And I know that after the first service, they said, why don't you go into peace? Because I want that too. I said, well, that's next week. You know, that's where we're at. (laughs) And so Jesus says that when we have him, we have his joy. Have his joy. Jesus says this. I don't know if he literally said it, but I kind of, you know, took liberty here. Jesus would say, I'm the joy machine and you've got me inside of you producing joy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit about joy. And on the backside, we're going to go through Romans 5 and look at some application and uh, some truth that I believe is going to help you increase your joy. The first is this, understanding joy. Real joy is more than happiness. Real joy is more than happiness. Now, most people get these two kind of mixed up and they end up living their lives for the one that won't fulfill because they're living their lives for happiness. So happiness and joy, how do they compare? Well, happiness is based on my external circumstances that are going in my favor. So as long as external circumstances are going in my favor, I can be happy. That's happiness. Joy is an internal sense of well-being that's based upon my relationship with God totally different. One's based on happenstance, one's based on happenings, and the other, and as long as it's going my favor, I can experience it, and the other one's based on God, who's always in my favor, who never changes, and His relationship with me, and I can experience that kind of joy all my life. These things are temporary. These things are so temporary. I've noticed these to be true about us. You know, we buy something, we hear that, you know, that this product's going to be awesome, and And so we get it. And as we're driving home, we hear a commercial on the radio and it's talking about the newer product that was the replacement of the one that we just purchased. And immediately we lose our sense of happiness, right? And satisfaction because now there's something better that we don't own. And so we want to own what is better. And so we're not happy. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about this whole deal. He says this, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who goes on, who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are too easily pleased. We are too easily pleased. See, the reason joy is so important is we need to understand that real joy is more than happiness. Second is this, real joy you're going to love this, is a communicable attribute of God. I don't think I've ever used a word that big before. Communicable attribute of God. See, the idea is this, that as you enter into a relationship with God, as you become a follower of Jesus Christ, and you start spending time with God in this intimate relationship, that he communicates or shares his attributes with you. Now, there's certain attributes he can't communicate or can't share with you. That would be his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence. He can't share those with you. But there's a list, Galatians chapter 5 specifically, of his communicable attributes that he wants to share with you that will come to you as you're in relationship with him. Attributes of God that can be shared with us. So we understand that as we're in relationship with him, the list of the nine things here he wants to give us. And he's placed inside of us and he wants those to be real in our lives. Third thing is this. Real joy can coexist with sorrow. Real joy can coexist with sorrow. That's where some of us, is wake, we're just waking up right now because we're in sorrow. We have things that are going on that we wish weren't and we've been struggling with joy and we've been feeling mostly sad. And the truth here is that The real joy that comes from Christ can coexist with sorrow. The Bible shows us over and over again, starting in the Old Testament all the way through to the end of the New Testament, that joy and sorrow can exist together. I think one of the best examples I can think about this would be childbirth. Not that I've ever experienced childbirth, but, you know, I was there when we did get to experience childbirth and the birth of our first child. And so as we were there, in childbirth, uh, we, you know, as Kim was getting the privilege of uh, delivering our son, is that it was not just a privilege, but it was a painful privilege. And so there was a lot of pain involved. And so um, we actually got to watch her personality change into another person as she was going through this process. <laughs> and then Ryan came. And when Ryan came and I held him and instantly put him on, on her Uh, she no longer was thinking about the pain. She was thinking about the joy she felt at that moment. Her joy overwhelmed, overcame her pain at that moment. And so we need to accept the fact, folks, as we're going through life, that in this world, because we live and we will continue to live in this world until we either go to heaven or heaven comes to us, that as long as we're living in this world, that we're living in a broken world and there's going to be sorrow and there's going to be pain. And if we don't believe that joy can coexist with it, we're going to be overwhelmed by sorrow instead of joy overcoming sorrow. Many people also get confused about the whole deal and they believe that when I say yes to Jesus, that means that my life's going to be wonderful from from then on. And they get kind of confused to believe that that means he's going to isolate us from sorrow and isolate us from joy. If you believe that, you've not read the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, it says this about Jesus. It says, for the joy that was before him endured the suffering of what? The cross. Even our leader, he suffered. And so we are going to suffer as his followers as well. See, the beauty is that real joy overwhelms sorrow. Now, kind of the way I would think about this is this morning. When I got up, it was a little chillier than I thought it would be this morning. And so I was getting up to do my work. It was about four o'clock and, and I walked down the hallway and I said, Why well, there's a bite in the air in our house? And so I leaned over to the thermostat on the wall as I went by and kind of clicked it a few notches up. So it, would, you know, do something to about the coolness in the house. What happened is is then I heard the furnace outside, the, the unit outside come on, and then there was air started flowing through our house, and pretty soon the warm air overcame the cold air. And that's the way joy is in our lives. As it comes into us, it overcomes, it, it allows us to live in that suffering, but yet it changes the atmosphere. It makes it different. Sorrow is always a temporary condition for those who have said yes to Jesus Christ. Joy is a permanent condition. That's the next idea. Real joy is permanent and deep. It's permanent and deep. See, the mark of real joy is this. It's not impacted by circumstances. As we said earlier, everything in life changes. Nothing in life is stable except what you receive from God. So that's why I just want to say to you today, it would profit every one of us if we're going to look at priorities in life and what we believe God's asking us to do and where He's asking us to go and who He's asking us to be, is that we would look at and say, what am I building into my life? And Personally, I'm looking at this saying, if this nine characteristics, this is what he wants from me, I'm going to start spending a little more of my focus on these things that will last rather than time and energy on things that really aren't going to last. Because when I experience him, it's permanent and it's deep and it can't be taken away. And the last fifth thing is this: real joy is the buoyancy, is the buoyancy that results from the hope we have from being in relationship with God. It's a long sentence, but it's all true. Real joy is the buoyancy that results from the hope we have for being in relationship with God. Now, buoyancy, we all know what that means, right? It means that I can float on top. I can float on top. It means that I'm lighter than my surroundings. It means that I'm not going to sink. It means that I'm going to stay afloat. Last summer, uh, several of us from our church went to Israel together. And when we went to Israel, we went to the Dead Sea. And I think that has to be a part of every tour to Israel when you go there. It's, uh, the, the Dead Sea is the sea that uh, has no inlet and no outlet. And so it's uh, full of salt and minerals. And when you go there, it's about 110 degrees. It's below sea level. And every you know when all the tourists go there and you've got to walk out and get in the Dead Sea, because the, they tell you, when you get in the Dead Sea, you're not going to sink. And so you got to experience that for yourself, what that would be like. So you go out, and you're walking out, and everybody's doing it together. They've warned you in advance, do not touch your eyes, okay, or allow it to splash you in the eyes because it's so full of salt. And so we're going out there, and I just will never forget this experience. As you're going out, you feel lighter, and then you get out to there, and you're thinking, I've got to get in this without getting in my eyes. So you kind of put your hand, close your eyes, and fall over backwards, and you expect to go under, but you don't. You stay on top. It's the weirdest thing on earth. And then as you're on top, you cannot force yourself below the surface. You can't do it. You float, you're buoyant. You're on top of that. And that's what joy does for us. It allows us to float on the top of the mess of life and to be safe and to be secure there. And the mess of life, we're not gonna sink down into. God gives us the ability to stay afloat. Buoyant, be buoyant with him. And then the fifth idea is this, real joy is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice we all have to make. It's a decision we make every time we get out of bed. It's a decision we make every time circumstances are not favorable or they don't come at us as we'd like them to be. Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, me ask, Honestly, when you got up this morning and you saw it snowing, did you do that Or did you go, yeah, I know, I know. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, in this day. Now, there are several examples I could have given today. One would be if you've not yet seen Soul Surfer, you've got to go see it. It's still playing over here at Sierra Cinemas, and you can go this afternoon if you wanted to, fill the place up. It's a great story of Bethany Hamilton and her overcoming, uh, and uh, that her right arm was bit off. She was a surfer, and her right arm was bit off. And then it's her story about her faith and how her faith allowed her to be a buoyant. On the top of some really rough waters and to have joy. That would be one person that I can think of today. Another is Johnny Erickson Tata. And there's a picture of Johnny right there. Uh, At age 17, she dove into a a shallow pond, and as she was diving in, uh, she hit her head and she became a quadriplegic at age of 17. And so she's lived her entire life in a wheelchair, totally dependent on other people. And I just want to read something to you that she wrote about choosing joy, because I think we might relate to it. Here's what she says. Honesty is always the best policy, but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom during a break at a Christian women's conference, okay? One woman putting on lipstick said, oh, Johnny, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish that I had your joy. Several women around her nodded. How do you do it, she asked, as she capped her lipstick. I don't do it, I said. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? This is an average day, and she breathed deeply. She started to say it. After my husband Ken leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm all alone. Until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m., that's when a friend arrives to get me up. While well, I listen to her make coffee, I pray, oh, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day. But, Lord, you do. May I have yours? God, I desperately need you. One of the ladies asked, so what happens when your friend comes in through the bedroom door? I turn my head towards her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine, it's God's. And so I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. It was hard won by choice. She chose to have joy. I believe that she could. That another example of someone who always chose joy was the Apostle Paul. And I don't have time to talk about all the things that, uh, that went on in his life that were not favorable circumstances. But this is what he writes in the middle of one of them. He says this Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Folks, joy is a decision that we have to make every moment we live, it's a moment by moment choice. Now, if you would turn your notes over on the back side, and what I want to do is I say, okay, how can we increase our experience of joy? How can we increase our experience of joy? And and I've got four ideas that all come from Romans chapter 5. And the first one is this, I need to know God's gospel. Now, it's a little bit strange way to say this, but I'm going to make it clear. I need to know, and if you want to write in here as well, I need to know and accept God's gospel. So it's both know and accept God's gospel. Now, you all, you've probably heard the word gospel, right? And you've heard it used in positive terms, and you've heard it used in negative terms, I'm sure, the word gospel. Well, the word gospel simply means good news, the message of good news, the message of joy, those kinds of things. Or it literally could mean joy news, joy news. The word gospel means the good news or the message that brings joy, the news that brings joy. Look at how the Apostle Paul writes about the gospel, okay? We need to understand this gospel story if we're going to be able to experience the joy that comes from Christ. Therefore, since we've been made right, would you circle that made right? Made right, that means justified. Made right, since I've been justified in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Underline that, because of what he's done for us. Because of our faith, now this was our part, because of our faith, Christ has brought us, it's an incredible picture here, into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we look confidently and what? Joyfully forward to God's glory. So he's saying here, God's message God's joy news for you is that God sent Jesus Christ that He would take your sin, and that as you then looked to Jesus Christ and placed your faith in Him, that He would remove it and He would make you right with God, and you would be in relationship with Him. And that as your relationship is in Him, all the stuff in the back is gone. It's all washed away. It's no longer there. You're clean. It's all gone. You're going to live with Him now this wonderful experience where he says, I have come that you might have life in its fullest. And then what Paul says here, not only that, but you get to look forward to the glory of heaven. And when you understand the gospel story and how much every one of us needs it, that is a source of joy. Source of joy unspeakable when we understand what he's done for us, that we're free because of what Jesus Christ did. And as we know it, And remember when we looked a couple of weeks ago, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Know it means experience it ourselves, not just understand it in our heads, but experience it by saying yes to it as we know it. Then we have joy. Then we have joy. Now let's look at the second idea. I must trust God's character. I must trust God's character. If I'm going to have a joy, and especially when my circumstances aren't favorable, I need to know who God is and trust his character that trust his character, that he knows what he's doing and that he has my best in mind and that he has a process that he's working out and I just need to ride the waves with him and trust him. See, Christian uh, Christian joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is the positive confidence that comes from trusting in God regardless of my circumstances. So rejoice in sufferings. Rejoice in those favorable circumstances as they come, those unfavorable circumstances as they come our way. That's a hard thing to do. See, what the world calls happiness, folks, is that you and me controlling our circumstances so that they're always in our favor. But then what happens when we can't control them? When those unfavorable circumstances come, that's when we have to trust God's character. And this is what he says in verses three, five through five. Okay, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Oh, God, I hate that part. Don't you? You read that? Because we can rejoice to when we, not because we run into them, but when we do. For we know they help us develop endurance. This is trusting God's character and his plan. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, but instead it will lead to joy. It will lead to joy. See, real joy, biblical joy, can rejoice in suffering. As I said while well, it's not saying I want to rejoice for my suffering, but I can rejoice in my suffering. So here we go. Why don't you think about this? What is the opposite of joy? Sorrow, sadness, and I want to say that's not the opposite of joy. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. That's what Paul's saying here. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. That I have whole hope that my circumstances will ever change, that I can make these through. That's the opposite of joy. Followers of Jesus, though, can have hope in the middle of circumstances, sufferings that aren't going their way because they trust that there's that ultimate glory day. There's that promise that he's here with me now. And our hope is based on God's character and his plan and his promises. That's what our hope is based in. Okay, let's look at the next idea. If I'm going to increase my joy, I must embrace God's love. I must embrace and immerse myself in God's love. I'm going to find a note I wrote just a while ago when we were singing. Uh, I just love how God works in, in our services. And, you know, as Dave and I were planning services for today, I gave him and said, here's what I think I'm going to talk about today. So he planned a service based on that. And then I... I took a right turn and changed this week on exactly how we would come at joy today. And uh, yet he'd already had the service planned. And I I was just amazed. You didn't know this. I did as we were singing all every song, all five and then the feature song, every one tied perfectly to the way that God led me to do the right turn. Every single one. It was just amazing. But the last one we sang about love, it said this. It says, I found a love greater than life itself. I found a hope stronger and nothing compares. Here's the gospel news. I once was lost, now I'm alive in you. So, all three of the ideas that we're talking about right here were in the song that we sang earlier about him being with us. And here we're talking about experiencing his love, experiencing the love that God has for us. Joyful people understand that they are loved people, understand that God loves them. Now, last week, Kimberly did a great job of challenging us last week to. Uh, to chew on, to meditate on uh, the love that Christ showed us by his death on the cross for us. And, And that's an awesome thing. And then out of that, we would be able to experience love and know love. Well, I just want to say it this way today. Chew on the same thing this week. Chew on how much God loves you. And then out of that will grow joy as you experience his joy. Well, here's what Paul says in Romans 5. He talks about love. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So he gave it. He says it's his gift. He gave it to us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. To the degree you believe you're loved is the degree you're going to have joy as you have in life. Now, remember we read John 15, 11, and Jesus has been talking about how my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Well, in fifteen nine, I didn't put these on your notes, but in fifteen nine, this is what he had just said. He says this, I have loved you, before he talked about joy, he says, I have loved you as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. And as we remain in his love, then we're able to experience his joy. Okay, the fourth idea is this, and it just makes sense as we wrap it up. I must spend time in God's presence. I must seek God's presence. If I'm going to increase my joy, it's going to be because I'm seeking his presence. Now you know, kind of thinking about the 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 original article where the gal was talking about a church where there wasn't joy and that didn't represent God as being a God of joy. Um, Some of you may have that that view of God that that God you know is not happy and that he's just you know an angry God out to uh, slay everybody who doesn't do right. But folks, I'll just say it this way: God is the happiest being in the universe, the happiest. And so when you're with him, you're going to, it's just going to be contagious. It's going to rub off on you. The happiest God in the universe wants to give you his joy and you would experience it. This is what Paul says as he's talking about being with God in relationship. He says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we're still his enemies, we will certainly be saved for the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Joy is the presence of God. It's being in His presence. Joy is not the removal of pain, not the removal of suffering, not looking to other things to be able to make me happy. Joy is simply the presence of God. So how do we get God's presence? How do we spend time with Him? I just want to give you a couple of thoughts real quick, just kind of run through some ideas. First, we can experience his presence in nature. I love doing this and I love snow and I love winter. I hate summer, but I love all that stuff. And so I experience God in nature in a cool way. We experience God. And this is, this is really where I didn't get to go today that I wished I would have had time, but I didn't get to. But a lot of Galatians 5 talks about these fruits of the spirit will be recognized and be built in you as you're in relationship with others. So we experience God's love when we're in relationship with other people. We experience God's presence through reading his word. Many of you know that my dad died a couple, three weeks ago now. And one of the things that's been so helpful for me is that uh, when I am not feeling joy and I'm feeling sad, is just to say to myself, I need to meet with God. I know what I need to do. I need to meet with him. I can feel these feelings or I can meet with God. And so I'll get my Bible out and I open it to my daily reading. And just the fact that I'm reading his word to me, I sense his presence and it changes the outlook I have as I'm looking forward to the day that's coming. That's another thing as I get in his word. I can experience his presence through prayer. And then as we did this morning, we can experience his presence as we gather together for corporate worship as we get to do that together. Okay, look at that last verse. It says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Maybe you want to take that verse and put it on your refrigerator, memorize it. Put it in your car this week. And as, before I pray, I just want to remind you of this. Joy is not the absence of problems. Joy is not the acquisition of possessions. Joy is the presence of God. Let's pray together. Father God, you are awesome in this place. We sent you. We know that you're here. Lord, I know that uh, people come from all different places and especially uh, joy places today. And places where circumstances aren't favorable or where there's suffering or there's pain or sorrow. And Lord, I never want to make light of what somebody's going through at the moment. never want to make light of someone's pain. And God, what I want to ask you to do today is help each of us to see that in the middle of that, that your joy can coexist. It doesn't have to be one or the other and that you can give us the joy that would allow us to ride the waves, the tumult around us, the difficulty that we're in, that you would hold us up, and it would be joy. Father, I pray for every person who's never said yes to Jesus, the gospel story, the joy news. And if you would want to say yes to him today, because that's how you know his joy, is that you would say, Jesus, as much as I understand it, I want to say yes to you. I say yes to the fact that you died on the cross for me, and I want to receive your forgiveness. I could not earn it on my own, but I could only earn it, I could only gain it by what you did on the cross. So I want to receive it. I ask you today to cleanse me. I've sinned against you. I want you to take all this away and make me clean. I want you to make me whole. I want to ask you to do that. And then, Jesus, I want to joyfully live my life for you. Help me to know more. Help me to experience you. Help me to know what it's like to walk in God's presence. And God, for all of us today, I pray that you would grow joy in us, that you would take what you've planted there, and you would help us to expand it, and it would be all that you've made it to be in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.